Three, two, one. Recording in progress. <coughs> okay. Shalom Abracha. Shalom Abracha to everybody here. Everybody there. Everybody everywhere. Everybody. <laughs> All right. We are continuing with the parsh with sorry the Kutei Moran lesson twenty four paragraph number four and before we go into it just uh, some insights in the parsha as they connect to this lesson by us in Eretz Yisrael it is Parshat Balak and the whole Inyan of Parshat Balak is cursing the Jews as opposed to the bracha right the whole thing is or curse or bracha or to get the curse over the brachot of the Jewish people that they have already, okay? So that's what Balak sent Bilam, to curse the Jewish people. So the message Rashi brings down is that it won't work, right? right? Like Rashi says uh, that, that, that Bilam had a nevuah, he said, I won't be able to curse them, Alvai, he shouldn't ask me to give them more blessing. So Rashi points out, he, he foresaw that he is going to have to give more of a bracha <laughs> to the Jewish people, okay? So this parsha, the whole focus is on the idea of a bracha. We're going to see, Rabbi Nachman is going to go into the idea of a bracha. What is a bracha? We said this a few times already. This is how the Tikkuni Zohar opens up the word for a bracha. It's called Baruch. Baruch, the Tikkuni Zohar says, stands for the following four words. Bet is Birkat. Resh is Rosh, Vav is Umekol, Chaf is Kol. Translation, Birkat Rosh, blessings from the head, and Umekor, and the, the source of everything. That is a bracha. A bracha is that a person, like we're going to see in this lesson, gets the bracha of Da'at. This idea appears in the Gemara, Masechet Nedarim, page 41a, in which Avram Fried, our friend Avram Fried, made a song out of it. It's a song, right? In Eretz Yisrael, they would say the following. The Gemara says before like this. Dat kanita machasarta. Dat chasarta makanita. If you acquired dat, then what are you lacking in life? And if you are lacking that, then what have you acquired? Meaning, a person should strive for intellect, the blessings of intellect. What is intellect? It doesn't mean to be an expert in algebra and such a smart mind. It means to have the knowledge of Hashem. Awareness, clear awareness. He says this idea, Rabbi Nachman, many places in Likud Moran. One place that sticks out is Lesson 21, where he says... That when a person has that, there's no more suffering. The reason for suffering is because a person is frustrated, which frustration means lack of comprehension of what I'm going through in life. I have no idea what Hashem is throwing me through, me through in my life, what I'm going through. I have no idea what is the interpretation of what I'm going through. When you have that, which is awareness and understanding of what's happening, it's much, much, much more easier to accept things in life, to accept things that, 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 that are going on. That's what the Gemara is saying. Dat kanita machasarta. If you have acquired that, you're not lacking anything. 
That, this is why Rabbi Nachman is going to say coming up, the main bracha that a person should seek isn't the nice Lamborghini and the nice house. People now hearing this, they say, but why not? What's wrong with a Lamborghini? What's wrong with a house? There's nothing wrong with a Lamborghini house if it comes with that. If it doesn't have that, the Gemara says there, and the Mepharshim say, it's like a person has nothing. The Mepharshim on that Gemara, in the Dharm Mem Aleph, Amud Aleph say a person who has wealth and money and everything, and he doesn't have that, it's like he has nothing. This idea also comes up in the Midrash, Midrash Rabbah also, Midrash Rabbah Vaikra, Parshat Vaikra, section 6, Parsha Aleph, Vav, 1, 6, it says they're also the exact same idea. That a person doesn't have that, he has nothing. You can have a person who has very little, but he has that, and he feels like the richest person in the world. Shkoyach, by the way. Thank you. And you have a person who has everything, but they don't have that. Okay? So the Zohar says here... They don't enjoy it. What? They don't have and they don't enjoy it. They don't, they don't appreciate even, And you have a person who has that, and he has a little bit, and he's so happy about it. He appreciates it. He's, and then the guy has the big house, everything, but he doesn't appreciate it. He's not even happy about it. So, uh, so what value is it? If it doesn't come with that, which brings the sipuk, means uh, I feel sustained, I feel satiation, satisfied, and happiness, well, what value is it? Because this, the Gemara says, acquire that. Aim for that. Why? With that, you have the awareness that whatever Hashem sends you, that's exactly what you need. Hashem sent it because that's what you need and you're happy with it. And you're not going to start running after this and that because you know that Hashem is guiding you. That's the awareness, the dot. The dot is the dot of Hashem. The dot of Hashem means that you have awareness of God everywhere in your life. Every stage of your life, you see Hashem's involved, Hashem's input. We saw this a lot by people in the previous generation. Their emunah was unbelievable. We always talk about that. Uh, my Zaydi, my Bobi, and this. It, and people talk like that. That they had such strong emuna and everything. Always, we all look backwards, right? It still exists today, but compared to what was two generations ago, it's like nothing. It's like compared to nothing. But it exists, and it did exist, that there are people who every stage of their life, it's emuna. They see Hashem, Hashem's input in every part of life. It's not over-exaggerating. It's good. Because that way, these people... They're always dealing with what's happening with them with simcha, with joy. They're able to take everything with joy because they, they know that I won't fear evil, Hashem, because you're always with me. Even bad news, they take it. This is coming from Hashem. This is strong. Why should I start panicking? Why should I, stay, why start being miserable and everything if I know this is what's on Hashem? I was reading recently a story of a breast liver who passed away from cancer, the machala. He had the disease. He passed away like in the year 2019, recently, 2019, 2018. His name was Rav Mordechai Turetz. Rav Mordechai Turetz was someone very special in the breast liver movement. He uh, opened up the first Talmud Torah, the breast liver Talmud Torah here in Yerushalayim in the 1970s, 1980s, okay? Many children went through him and he succeeded in giving a lot of Yerat Shemaim to the students and everything. And also he did a lot of things for the breast of movement in general. He put out a weekly, a monthly journal where, where people would write their insights on the Kutim Moran. It was considered one of the biggest successes on that type of uh, avodah, of people writing chidushim and insights on the Kutim Moran. It went on for like a few years until they stopped. Every, unfortunately, everything good comes to an end. 
for something better to happen afterwards. But everything good comes to an end in this world, okay? So when he was hit with cancer and he was in pain in the hospital and everything, and when they had to give him the bad news, so his wife, you know, she was really worried. She asked him, are you, how do you feel? Are you calm? And he said to her, I'm very calm. He said, Me'od. I'm Me'od Ragua. I'm very, very calm. Just, there was, the, the, the kids, they were talking over the story. They say that his head was connected. And they said about him that when he got the bad news that he had cancer, so in the hospital, in the waiting room, whatever, he started, like, he put his hands together like this, and like this, and he was, he was, uh, he wanted to, he was just looking at his hands. So they asked, the sons asked him, you know, what are you, what are you thinking about? Well, what are you doing? He said, I'm thinking what Hashem wants me to do in this situation, what Hashem wants of me. It was like, that's what he was thinking about in his pain. He wasn't thinking, oh my God, what my, what's my wife going to do with my kids? What's going to be with me? I'm so young and this and that. He was thinking, what does Hashem want of me to do now? And he left with Yishuvadat. He left with calmness and he, he didn't express like fear and tra- the family did, unfortunately, but they saw how calm he was and he was telling them to take it easy, take it good, continue bringing all your children, my grandchildren to Uman Rosh Hashanah. That, that was his big concern before he left this room. Mamas, like the day before he passed away, that's a, was like his will and t- testament, you know, to stay breast of Rachasidim, etc. But just amazing how someone saw Hashem in everything and he was, he, was, he was expressing it. This was the test and he, he showed that he was passing the test, that Hashem was in his life and that's what he was concerned about. That's what he was thinking about, right? Unbelievable. So this also is the, is the bracha of Sechel, Bekat Hadat. Maybe Nachman's going to say coming up, aim for that. Because that's what bracha is. The Zohar says, Birkat Rosh, the bracha of the head. What does it mean, the bracha of the head? It means Sechel. The bracha is coming down from the Sechel, meaning you are looking to bring down the blessing, the true blessing, which is Rosh, awareness of Hashem. When you have this, this is the source for everything else. Unbelievable. That's what bracha means, okay? Bilam, and Balak did not want that. So what if Am Yisrael is coming to take over Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Canaan? So what? What do you care, Balak? What are you worried about? What that the Jewish people are, are coming to Eretz Yisrael? What do you care that the Jewish people exist and they're serving Hashem? What does it bother you? Okay? What does it bother you? <laughs> Who was Bilam? Bilam was the grandson of Lavan. And also, our result says he was also the Gilgul. He was the reincarnation of Lavan. The whole essence of Lavan is what? Is Targum. Is exchanging, exchanging. Evil. He represents the domain of evil, which is the Hechalat Moro, the exchange chambers. Evil, which is exchanging. Exchanging good to bad, truth to falsehood, purity to impurity, right? That is exact opposite of that. What is that? That Hashem is everywhere. If Hashem is everywhere, there's no more evil, there's no more impurity. Everything is, well, is with, in context of Hashem's presence, so I'm okay with it. I'm going with Hashem. There's no exchanging here. And the exchange chambers is no, we want to cover up. They were created by Hashem, yes. Their job is to cover up and conceal Hashem. It's the exact opposite, okay? That's what Bilam couldn't stand. 
That's what Balak couldn't stand. Because if you look at the parsha carefully, you see, you see this stuff, just leave the Jews alone. Ma. So what the Jews are coming to take over Eretz Why? What do, you think? what do we care? If the Jews succeed in coming to Eretz Yisrael, in building a Beit HaMikdash, in bringing the world for a tikkun, we have no more purpose here. To do our job of being bad, of being sorcerers, of being evil, of covering up good with bad, which is what evil is, we have no more purpose. <laughs> it'll, it'll destroy us automatically. We let the Jews do what they're supposed to do to bring the world to the tikkun. We're going to disappear. So Bilam and Balak, they were looking so bad to find an opening where there's no bracha. They were, what were looking? A moment when Hashem is angry. Bilam, he knew the secret, like the Gemara says, the, that moment, a split second, that Hashem was, has anger every day, and he said, that's the moment I can get it. I can get, I can get in. But Hashem protected the Jews. He showed that the bracha that he gave are so strong then even if Bil'am will try to find the right moment to curse, it won't work. And more than this, Hashem twisted his mouth, and instead of saying a curse, he said a bracha. Lo zo afzo, the koach of, of Hashem's ahava. That's, that's unbelievable, the, the power. So this is the idea of what a bracha is, okay? So with that, we're going to see now inside here, Bezat Hashem, so, uh, how Rabbi Nachman is going to open up to us this, this, this section. Just again, I, I don't get stuck again, we're going to just go back a few lines, go again to how we got to, where are we holding in this lesson? What is Rabbi Nachman trying to tell us here? What is the practical point coming out of here? So we said that Rabbi Nachman's focus here is that a Jew be besimcha. The way for a person to get momentum in life to get things moving in the right direction in his life is that he works on being besimcha, which means also doing the mitzvot besimcha. Being happy is to believe that what you're doing now has a value in Hashem's eyes. It's not like a person now, he's davening, but his head is elsewhere. You know, he just wants to get over with it. Why is a person like that? Why is a person wanting to get over with it? Because he's not happy with what he's doing. He believes that what he's doing has no value. My davening has no value. Because look how I daven. My davening is upside down. So a person, while davening, he purposely, his head is elsewhere and he, he's okay with it. Why is he okay with it? Because he's not happy with what he's doing. See, Rabbi Nachman teaches, if you work on investing, on being happy with what you're doing, which means living in the present, living now, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm so happy about it. Like, you know, a person, oh, it's routine. He gets up every morning. He does that tila, he says modani, he says anita tudai, he says shar. It's like routine in, in bracho. The person now who lives in the present, he can begin to value what he's doing and to be happy about it. This is what Rabbi Nachman is trying to train us. He's training a person, calm down. A lot is happening in your life and a lot of, a lot of things happening in life that's distracting you to look here, to look there, to look over there. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, my children are giving me problems now. Oh my God, my wife. Oh my God, how am I going to pay this now? How am I going to do this? So a person has a lot, a lot of things to distract him, okay? And all the distractions do what? Prevent the person from looking at to do what he has to do now. I have to do this right now. What do I care about this? And I, I'm doing this right now. Yeah, but what do you do about this? The, the thoughts keep on attacking the person. Excuse me, I'm doing this. It's a training that a person connects to what he's doing in the present. And when he does that, he can begin to appreciate what he's doing. And if he can begin to appreciate what he's doing, he can truly be happy with what he's doing. Psh, 
I woke up in the morning. Most of us, we, if we remember that we said Modani, <laughs> everybody even remembers that they said Modani. Most of us say Modani like stones. Do you even hear what you're saying? Do you know what happened now? The person wasn't supposed to wake up. Hashem in His kindness let you wake up. The thing is, because it happens every day, so a person assumes it's understood on its own that I'm going to wake up. Proof is, I wake up every morning. I wake up every morning. So it's under, the truth is, the Gemara says, <laughs> you're not supposed to wake up in the morning. Everyone, even the Goyim, no one's supposed to wake up in the morning. Hashem allows them to wake up out of kindness. There's interaction of Hashem's chesed in the entire world, every day, every person. And a person, because it happens every day, what do you want from him? It's, it's, it happens status quo, it's routine, every day. So he gets used to it, so he doesn't value it. But the real truth is a person lives right now in this second, in this moment, he can value, wow, this is truly a gift. Again, the reason why people don't have this attitude is because they lack what's called Yishuvadat. A person has Yishuvadat, calmness of the mind, settling of the mind, he can focus what he's doing. Because of this, this is the goal of this whole lesson. The goal of this lesson is he says, he starts off that when a Jew does the mitzvot b'simcha, he's able to lift himself out of the klipot, out of the impurity, and then he goes up the first level, which is the, the legs, which means the mitzvah gains momentum and gets things to move. And then the second stage, he causes bracha, which we'll begin to know. And when bracha is aroused, then a person can activate, connect it to the dat. Once you have that, you have to join emuna with it. Okay, emuna with the dat. And then you're going upbeat. And then you're ready to perceive the infinite light. But what do they do? They bounce you back. He's, the wording of Rabbeinu is amazing. When the person has the bounce back, what does that do? It's what's called the This is what organizes, Meyashev, settles and organizes the mind. In other words, Yishuvadat. Meaning what? What's the thing here? Rabbi Nachman is teaching us in this lesson how to live in the present and how to be happy with yourself in the present in what you're doing. To connect to what you're doing and how it's happening around. That's an amazing thing because 99% of people in the world don't have that. 99.9% of people in the world don't have Yishavadat because of the worries. They're just, they're just swept away with what's happening with them. So Rabbi Nachman teaches this is a way how to get the Yishuvadat is you start off with Simcha. Okay, the Simcha brings you up and then you're in momentum now. We're moving, moving and then you get bashed back. What does the bash back do? It lets you to begin to live in what you, in your present, your, what's accessible to you, what's your limitation, to recognize it and to accept it and to be happy about it. To be satisfied with it. This is unbelievable what, what he's teaching us in this lesson. And he said, if you have that, you have the orient self in your life. You have the infinite light. <laughs> you have something which is normally unattainable. You have it now accessible in your hands. Okay? By, by having this Yishuvadat, this settling and organizing the mind, because of the mitzvah simcha that you started off with, and then it pushed you upwards, and then you remember who you are, so that when you have an expression of big light and you, you keep on going up and up to try to advance, and then they block you, you don't say, wait a second, I deserve that. I, I, that was coming my way. You guys stopped me. No. The person's able to accept the blockage. This is for something even greater. They're pushing me back. Why? To settle my mind, to organize my mind. What happens when my mind is settled and organized? I begin to, 
uh, appreciate all the tiny things. Wow, look at that flower, look at that thing. Psh, look at the tzitzit that I'm wearing, look at, uh, I'm so amazed, I'm so, I'm so, what's the word? What's, I'm so um, honored, that's not the word. I'm so spoiled of Hashem's goodness, and I begin, I begin to appreciate it. This is what he's training. That's the bounce back? That's the bounce back. Because his wording is, to, to organize and structure the mind. That's what happens with the bounce. The bounce pushes you that you're not looking to feed more, to feed, to add, add, add the fuel, bring more, more, more energy, more money, more shefa. You're, you're stopped with the shefa so that what happens, what happens when the shefa is not coming to you anymore, you now begin to t- take a, a, you do a count, you do a count on your, on the, on the warehouse, on what you have, the stock, what you do have. You begin to take a look at what you do have and to appreciate it, to, 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 uh, to appreciate it and to, and to be happy about it, Bezat okay? So, this is how the, the lesson starts, of the idea of doing the mitzvah v'simcha. And we said that this lifts up a person to the level of the legs. And then the legs, the idea of momentum, arousal, activates the hands, which is the source of bracha. Okay, that's what he's saying now. So the pasuk we said last time, if you remember, we're in paragraph 4, in the middle of paragraph 4, lesson 24. Like we said, remember? Yaakov said to Lavan, Hashem blessed you because of my feet, because of me, because of my feet. As if to say that the bracha, the feet go up to the level of bracha, which is the place of the hands, not the place of the feet. So, we said, right, that now we see with this pasuk that Yaakov said to Lavan, that the feet go up to the level of the hands, which is the idea of bracha. Another pasuk Rabbi Nachman brings to show the idea of hands joining with the feet or lifting up the feet at the level of the hands, the concept, the pasuk from Shoftim, Dvora, Barak, if you remember last class, Vatelech, Yad, Bnei Yisrael, Aloch, Vekasha, last verse in chapter 4 of Judges, Shoftim, and it says there, and the hand of the Jewish people went, went is to go with the feet. So the hand of the Jewish, which means the strength, the power of the Jewish people, Haloch Vekasha went stronger and stronger, the verse continues, until they totally destroyed and wiped out Yavin, the king of Canaan, who was the king of Sisera, who was the general doing the damage. With this pasuk, we went into it so many times already, I don't think we can go anymore. Rabbi Nachman shows the idea of hands going up to the, sorry, the, the feet going up to the hands. And the whole story, we went there many times, how Rabbi Akiva is hinted to here, Yosef Atzadik is hinted to here, and all, all, those, all those ideas we went into so many times already, which are necessary for other parts of the lesson, Bezat Hashem. So now, here we go, Rabbi Nachman shows us clearly the connection between hands and bracha. Why are bracha connected to the hands? So he says, The essence of bracha comes from the hands. On a simple level, this means you want bracha to come down to this world, you got to do something. It won't come down by itself has to come down with initiative. We, we, the first place we see that is the beginning of the Chumash. That Hashem created the grass and uh, just growing a little bit and didn't grow properly, didn't grow fully. Why? Rashi says why? So that Adam, Adam Arishon should understand why the grass is not growing because it needs rain and that he will understand that he has to daven 
for the rain, in order for the grass to grow, so that he should appreciate the rain. So Hashem was waiting for man to do initiative, to do something. Even though it's prayer, it's, it's called yadayim. Okay, when you see coming up, that the hands and prayer are the greatest connection. Hands connotes anything you do. You put on tefillin, okay? You go to shoulder davin, you give tzedakah, you make matzahs, you eat matzah on Pesach with your hands, you know? Normally, that's how the mitzvah is done. Uh, unless the person's paralyzed, they put it in his mouth. But normally, a person does even mitzvot. You learn Torah, right? You learn, you use your hands to get the books, to read, you put right. You're, you're you're looking with your hands to to, to 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 direct you, and even any activity that's not with the hands, it's called hands. We call all activity hands. Yadaim, okay? Yadaim. We went into this many times. Remember the yad is like yud. It has ten fingers. Two hands have ten fingers, corresponding to what? Asara mamarot, asasfirot. Yes, the number ten appears a lot in Judaism. The whole world was created with ten ma'amarot, utterances of Hashem. They're hinted to in the ten fingers. Hashem made the normal human being's hand ten fingers, five and five. What's the significance of ten on the hands? Okay, there's ten toes also, but we don't do things with the feet. Doing is associated with the hands, okay? Right? <clears throat> a person wants to send a bomb, he just presses one button with the hands. You know? Again, doing is with the hands. And also in the Kedusha, any doing is of the hands. So the hands show a representation of the energy of this world. The Zohar says, and the commentaries in the Zohar say like this, and Rabbeinu Bachir brings us down, and the Ramak on the Zohar, it's called, his commentary is called the Or HaChama. They say there's a big, big advantage of davening with your hands raised up. And also a danger to lift up your hands without any spiritual input. If a person lifts up his hands without prayer, it's very dangerous. Like this, dancing like this? No, like you just lift up your hands for no reason at all. If you now you're lifting it up and you're expressing yourself or you're, you're dancing, you're doing something. When you're doing stuff with the hands, fine. But a person lifts up his hands with no association of anything and all the more so a bracha or prayer, it's dangerous. In the hands, you have two parts. You have the palm of the hand, right? Which is like a receiver. You receive with the hands opening. And the other side, you have the nails. What are the nails? The nails are the most impure part of the body. We do every morning, in Yiddish, they call it what? Nagel vaser. Nagel means the nails, washing the nails. Why washing the nails? When a person sleeps, Right? A person is, is tasting 160th of death. So that's impurity. Death is Tumah. The death, this 160th impurity of death, Tumah, goes over the whole person's body. Okay? When he wakes up, it, it removes itself and it's forced out of the body, but can stay only on the hands. Really, the Ben Ishchai says that even the Tumah stays on the feet. But we are so weak today that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash. We don't have the ability to remove the impurity from the feet by washing the hands. The Kohanim, however, in the Beit HaMikdash and in the Mishkan, when the Kohen would go to serve, he would wash first his hands and his feet. Because the Beit HaMikdash and the water from the Kior 
had such a power to remove the impurity even from the feet. That's when the Kohanim would have to wash their right hand and right foot together and their left hand and left foot together. We don't have that power today. We have maximum ability to remove impurity from the hands. The, the impurity from the feet is much more stronger because again, the feet are on the bottom next to the klipot. Like we said, when you do a mitzvah b'simcha, it lifts up the holiness in the klipot up to the level of the legs. One to the hands, directly to the hands, because the, the closest level to the impurity are the legs. First stage is the legs. We don't have the ability, the Ben Yishchai says, to remove the impurity from the feet. Okay, we don't. We can't. It's, that, sta- that stays tamen. You're walking with Duma on your feet. And then Malasot, okay? That's the whole idea why it's important that a person has shoes. The shoes are not just a physical protection, right? I mean, there's a whole Gemara, the Gematcha and the Zohar about it. It's, it's a protection from the evil forces. It has something to do with the holy name Chashmal. Okay? Chashmal is a very powerful spiritual energy force. Like Chashmal in Hebrew means electricity. But in the Kabbalah, it's referring to the angels called Chashmal. And the shoes of a person are protection for the feet from, that, from, from severe impurity. That's why it's so important to have shoes. The Gemara says that a person should sell everything he has to buy himself shoes. If a person doesn't have shoes, he has to sell other things to buy shoes. But don't, don't be without shoes because you need that, not just a physical shoe to walk, but it's also a spiritual protection, okay? That's what we have, shoes in the meantime. But netila doesn't help for the, for the feet. Netila, washing, helps in the morning for the negovasa. But going back, the hand has two sides. The palm is pretty clean, pretty pure. And the other side is the biggest tumor has the nails. So the Zohar says that if a person lifts up, lifts up their hands and doesn't dove in while lifting up the hands, what happens when a person lifts up his hands? The ten fingers are so powerful that whenever a Jew lifts up his ten fingers, it's unbelievable. It begins to activate the energy transmission from the ten spirit. It's a conduit. It's activating. You know, the, the turning on button is lifting up the hands. So now, the hands are lifted up. The tense spirit are activated. Now what? If you're not going to dive in, you're not going to do a prayer, not do a mitzvah, lifting up the hands. So energy is going to come down now. But it's going to go to the nails. It's going to go to the clipot. Unbelievable. If now, you don't use lifting up the hands to bring down bracha, so automatically it's going to go to the other side. That's why the Zohar says it's dangerous for a person to lift up their hands without a prayer or without a supplication or anything like that because automatically you're activating Shefa and if you don't use it properly, it's going to go to the nails, the other side of the hands, okay? <coughs> this is... Where do we see that the palm is, is, is pure? How does the hand open? The hand doesn't open from the back of the hand. The opening and closing of a hand is on the palm side. That the hand is, the human hand is able to open and close. The idea of opening and closing is the idea of receiving and not receiving. Okay, with their potech, right? It's in davening, shacharit and mincha. They say clearly in halacha, you have to focus on the words potech et yadecha. And if you didn't, you have to say it again and again and again until you focus on the words You could be doing davening like this, but if you didn't say you have to go back to say it again. 
to say that pasuk potiach et yadecha, to have in mind. Some have the custom, you know, many Sephardim also like that, that when they come to the pasuk, they open their hands. Some people lift up their hands, but it's enough to just lift up, open your hands like this, to indicate, Hashem, you open your hands, potiach et yadecha, you open the hands. So we indicate it by opening the hands also. So the, the opening of Hashem's hands is reflected in when we open the hands also, okay? I was thinking by Abimelech, by the story of Saron Abimelech, it said, he said he did it with the purity of my hand. Nikyon kapai. Rashi says there was no Nikyon kapai. There was mishmush yadai, right? There was touching. You did touch Sarah. Avimelech did touch Sarah. Don't say I was clean-handed. I was clean. No, the Torah says, Rashi points that out, that you weren't clean-handed, Avimelech. You thought, you think you were. You think you were. In the end, you were, were. there was mishmush a little, right? Fine. So now, hands and brachot. brachot The essence of the blessings come from the hand. He said on the idea is, you see, when a mitzvah is done with joy and it gets the world to wake up to Hashem, this leads to the next stage of brachot. The, the brachot are ready to come down. In other words, you're able now to activate brachot technically with your hands. So going back to the Zohar, we didn't finish. The Zohar says, where a person davens with the hands opened, it's, it's a bigger level of davening than when he doesn't open his hands. Similarly, just explain, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to that. When you have davening that has in it birkat kohanim, because birkat kohanim is the opening of the hands. The kohanim are opening their hands as if representing Hashem. That's why they open like this. They're not opening like this to receive. They're opening their hands to give. The kohanim, when they do birkat kohanim, they are conduits for Hashem's bracha to come down to the world. Through their ten fingers, it's like activating on kivyachol on Hashem's behalf. Hashem uses the kohanim to show bracha to come down. So the Zohar says the davening that has birkat kohanim is hundreds of times greater than davening that doesn't have the birkat kohanim in it. Unbelievable. Because this input of the hands, the davening, enhances the bracha to come down. Okay? So let's, let's see this again. Ikah brachot The essence of brachot come from the hands. Rabbi Nachman's proof, he brings two verses. We're going to try to work on the first verse today. Bivchinat, what it says in Vayikra, chapter 9, that's Parashat Shmini, Vayisa Aharon et Yada Ha'am, Vayvarechem. And Aaron raised his hands to the nation and blessed them. What in the world is going on? Why, Rabbi Nachman, are you throwing in Aharon and raising and hands, you know? What does it have to do with me? What's going on here? We're going to have to go into Aharon because Rabbi Nachman, not by chance, picked Aharon. He picked Aharon because of what he represents and what we're supposed to pick up from the message of Aharon. But in order to know that, you have to understand what Aharon is, okay? <clears throat> so there's a lot to say about Aaron, a lot. First of all, we see from Parashat Korach, this Rav Nosan explains, that Aaron represents true joy. Okay? Why was Aaron chosen to be Kohen? Right? Why was he chosen? V'samachet libo. Moshe thought, when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, go to Egypt, be the prophet, bring back the Jewish people. So what did Moshe say? How could I be chosen to be prophet over my older brother, Aaron, who's three years older than me, 73, uh, Moshe was 70 at the time, and he's already a prophet, he was already a Navi, like Rashi points out, 
You know, how could you, Hashem, he's going to feel so jealous, so upset, so broken. You know, he's a human being still. Hashem said, you don't know who Aaron is. Aaron's going to see you when you go. And Hashem promised him, he's going to see you, Moshe Rabbeinu, and understand why you're coming back to be the messenger of the Prophet over him to, to bring out the Jews from the, from the exodus of Egypt. And he's going to be happy. So Rabbi Nachman points out in Sikhot Aran, this is a high level of Simcha. When I see someone else succeeding in Abodat Hashem, even if I'm not succeeding, I, that I can be truly happy for somebody else, that is a big Simcha. It's a whole Sikha in Rabbi Nachman's wisdom, where Rabbi Nachman told Rav Nossin, when a Jew holds at this level, like as this is something big. And Rav Nossin said to himself, but it's obvious, isn't it obvious? that if another Jew is doing well and succeeding, is it obvious, shouldn't I feel good for him? The minister said that's not the case. Most people are so broken by their failures, their personal failures and setbacks, that when they see someone else doing what they did similar or doing other things and succeeding, the normal tendency of a human being, of a Jew even, is to feel bad. And to feel so bad, to tell them, ah, you're going to fall like I fall. You're starting now with all that fire and serving Hashem and everything. Wait till you get to my age. Wait till you get to what I went through. And then let's see you hold on. Let's see if you can do as good as I did and everything. The person begins to... Rabbi Nechman brings that down in the, the Sikha. To put them down. To put them down. To put other people down. You're going to fall like I fell. He said, so Rabbi Nosson said, this is the problem. And even if a person doesn't say it, he says it in his heart. He sees a young guy who's doing energetic... <laughs> Let's see you go through what I went through and let's see you hold on, right? You know, you're not, you're not going to make it like a... Don't, the person begins to say, he's not going to make it like I didn't make it, right? What's wrong with thinking that he's going to make it? So what? So what if he makes it? You're doomed? So this is what Rabbi Nachman was telling Rabbi Nassim. It's a big thing. This is true simcha. By Aharon, it was unbelievable. He's his older brother. He's his older brother. He's already a Navi. He has every reason to be the one chosen to take the Jews out of Egypt. No, Aharon's tikkun is to see someone else younger than him, his younger brother, and to be happy. So this is the unique quality of Aharon. This is true simcha, that he is happy with him who he is. Aharon sees other people better than him. It doesn't budge him, doesn't flinch him, nothing. Doesn't budge him at all, doesn't make him move, doesn't bother him. Why? Because he had what's called Simcha of the Lev. The Pasuk says, right in Parashat Shemot, Right? We said this many times already. Natata Simcha Belibi, and not El Libi. Remember what it says by the generation of the flood. El Libo. Hashem became depressed, El, towards his heart, which the Zohar points out, that's bad. That's not good. Belibo is happiness. Like the verse reads, Natata Simcha Belibi Torat Elokav by Rabbi Kiva, the Gemara we brought, Moed Katan on the Pasuk, Torat El earlier, right? Remember? Torat Elokav Belibo, the God, the Torah of, of the Lord is in his heart. That's the Simcha of the Mitzvah. Belibo is Simcha, because the place of Simcha is in the heart. The Pasuk could have said, Hashem Kurotot Moshe Benu, Veracha Vesamach, period. Don't worry, Moshe. Aharon will see you and he'll be happy. No, the Pasuk adds one more word. Aharon will see you, Moshe, and he will be happy 
in his heart because he reached true simcha, which is what? That I'm happy with what Hashem gave me. This is Aharon. This is where Rabbi Nachman is hinting to that every Jew has to have the attribute of Aharon. This is also, by the way, why Aharon was mourned also by women, men and women, because he was able to make Shalom Bait. How is somebody able to make Shalom Bait? It's unbelievable. The whole idea of Shalom Bait, the whole opposite, what's the opposite of Shalom Bait? Is that, well, he did this, he did that, and she does this. Each one is not happy with themselves, and uh, there's a blame. I, don't, I deserve more. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Deserve more. There's more, right? It's not working out. This and this and that, okay? That's, and our one is able to shine into the men and women, you know, to be happy with what you have. Another person is happy for you, and you should be happy for them. You're right, you're right. And was able to get everyone to be together and happy and, and, and along with each other because he's able to shine into each person to be happy with what Hashem gave you, to appreciate, and this happiness will shine. You'll be happy, you won't be able to bear a grudge on the person. In order to do what Baal he would go mefayes. Rashi just says what the Gemara says. He would mefayes the Baal, mefayes the Isha. You know, she's a good woman, he's a good man. He would find the good. By doing that, he would begin to shine to them. You can be happy with what you have. You should be so happy with what you have. It's amazing. It's not like you think it is. It's good. This was his attribute. He was chosen to be a Kohen, which in this context, on this Pasuk, He was the one chosen by Hashem to be the distributor of bracha into the world, the one shining the bracha, okay? Really, Rabbi Nachman is trying to teach us how to have bracha. He wants to show us here that the place of bracha is in the hands, okay? Look at the wording of the Pasuk again. This translates as what? That Aharon raised his hands, Okay, this can also mean that Aharon elevated his hands. He elevated his hands. What's to elevate? According to the Kabbalah, what does Aharon represent? Hod. What's Hod in the Kabbalah? The left leg. Aharon is a leg, technically. Moshe is the right leg. Right? You know that, how it works. Yeah, that, what was Aharon's beauty? Is that even though he's hood, he's able to shine the light of Chesed into Chesed is Avraham. Chesed is Avraham. Gvura is Yitzchak. Uh, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to the chart. Here's the chart. We need the chart again. Here's the chart. The chart shows the seven shepherds and who they correspond to. In the back of the BRI, okay? So you have here, it says here, the seven supernal shepherds. Sfira and shepherd. Avraham, Chesed. Yitzchak, Gvura, Yaakov, Tiferet, Moshe, Netzach, which is the right leg, we're going to see, right? Aaron, Hod, Yosef, Yesod, David, Malchut. Okay, so Aaron is Hod. The thing is, what is Hod in the Kabbalah? Hod is right before Yesod. Hod takes all the energy from Chesed and Hod and prepares to bring it to the next sphere. Hod is like a... A super depot. You know Super Depot? 
the, the, super, the warehouse, Super Depot. You have Super Depot in America? It's, it's a Canadian franchise? What is it? Home Depot. Home Depot. Home Depot. All right, sorry, Home Depot. <laughs> okay. Hod is the Home Depot of all the energy of the upper spirit. Okay, Hod takes that in. That's why it's called Hod. It's majestic. Okay? It's on the left leg because it has to know when to release it or not. So there's like a Gvura constriction attitude on Hod. Okay? Aharon represents Hod. Meaning what? He knows, he has the ability to give the brachot, but when? You have to know when to bring brachot, when not. That's the whole thing of Aharon. The whole thing of Aharon, we're going to see. There. First we see there is happy with portion. Meaning what? He's like, okay, take, take. Let's just give, give, and give. Unconditional giving. No. Chesed is unconditional giving. That's why it's dangerous. It needs a balance. Hod has already in it the unconditional energy of chesed, of giving, but now he's going to know how to give it, release it to your soul. There's, there's levels, you understand? The first chesed, chokhmah, binadat are the first level, trio. And then chesed begins to receive, but it ends by hod, and now it's ready to transmit to your soul, which is the bottom. Your soul is it's manageable, but hod is about to transmit it. It's about to transmit it also. Your soul then transmits to malchot. Like there's levels of transmission, a hod takes everything of the, from the bracha from chesed down. So he's called ish chesed Aaron technically, but he's, that's the beauty of, of, of Aaron. That even though he's a left leg, <laughs> it's a left leg, he's so happy about his portion, he's able to be a transmission of, of chesed, of light. Okay? Unbelievable. These ideas. So, we can read the verse as if it says, Vayisa Aharon et Yadav. That Aharon first, Vayisa means to lift. Sa. He lifted up his, his arms. In other words, he activated what the arms are. And once he activated Yadav, Vayvarachem. It says by the Pasuk, it's written Yud Dalit Vav. As if it says Yado, one hand. Look at the Pasuk. Vayisa Aharon et Yado. It's written. Yado, we read it, Yadav, as if another Yud is there. Yud is missing. The second Yud is missing. Yadav, plural, would have been two hands. But the Pasuk says, Yudalit Vav. So the Zohar knows that from this, that really, when the, the, the Kohanim and Aharon are giving a blessing, the right hand has to be a little bit higher, slightly higher than the left hand, to show that we're uniting them together, but the left is subordinate to the right hand. So that's the idea. Again, he's taking from the right hand, Chesed. The hand, right hand represents chesed. And he's, he's hod. Aaron is hod. But his simcha with who he is, knowing how to be happy about everything, about every, all the situations, no matter what it's in, like the Pasuk says about him, what can be more hard than that? When an older brother sees a younger brother beating him and taking his position. Taking his position. Okay? He's a, he's a prophet. He's already being used by Hashem to do nevoah. Who's taking his position? Moshe, his younger brother. And he's not jealous at all. Hashem says, you'll see, he's not going to be jealous. What does what Rashi say? Because of this pasuk, because of the simcha in his heart, what did he merit to? To have the choshen mishpat on his heart. What is the choshen mishpat? Choshen mishpat means to execute laws. Hod. The represent, hod is choshen mishpat. Should I go to war? Yes or no? Yes, no. It's like a, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a constriction. It's a, it's a, Dinim 
attitude, even though it's amazing to have divine messages through the Chosh and Mishpat, but when was it used to determine to make the right decision or not? That's a constriction already. So like, everything will be okay, just do whatever you do, it's going to work out. No. We have to know, should I do this, should I do that, should I fight? Yoshua had to ask, had to consult the Chosh and Mishpat on, on Elazar's uh, breastplate to know to go to war, not to go to war. Every Kohen Gadol had that job when he had the, the, the breastplate. And the Pasuk says, Aharon merited this because of the simcha that's in his heart, which is behind the breastplate. So all the Kwanim Gdolim who are supposed to represent the, the, the father figure, Aharon, have also the Choshen on their heart, because that's what it's supposed to be. That the Kohen is supposed to be always happy. If you noticed, all the mitzvah of the Kohen Gadol is that 24-7 he should be happy. When? It's, we saw in the Parsha, Parsha Acharimot Kedoshim, Am I right? Or Emor. Or Emor, or Acharimot Kedoshim in Vayikra, where it says about the members of the family of a Kohen who die. When is he allowed to make himself impure? When not impure? Kohen Gadol, never. Kohen Gadol, his parents die, he's not allowed to leave the Beit HaMikdash, the Mishkan. He's not allowed to do any Avelut, no Onenut, no mourning at all. He stays intact, connected to the Holy, the, the Beit HaMikdash. What's going on? His father just, just died, give him a break. His father raised him and everything. No, the Kohen Gadol has to be in a state of happiness always. Even when death, because that's the whole attitude of the Kohen Gadol, is it able to be happy. He has, he represents Simcha of the heart, okay? This is Aharon. Rabbi Nachman is hinting to all of us that this is the way to have hands. You want to have bracha in your life? You want to have bracha activated? You're going to need the attribute of Aharon in your life. You're going to need to have Aharon. You have to be an attitude of Aharon, right? It says in Perkyavot, Oiv Shalom, Rodev Shalom, right? Remind me please, Perkyavot. Oiv Shalom, Rodev Shalom. Oiv Shalom. That's what the Tana says in Perkevot. Make sure you be one of the students of Aharon, who is always loving peace, running after peace, loves people, and draws them close to the Torah. That's Aharon. Okay, the Tana is telling us in the Mishnah Perkevot, be a student of Aharon. Here, Rabbi Nachman is telling us, you want bracha, the stage of bracha, you're going to need Aharon attitude, Aharon mentality. It's not like, oh, he's bringing a pasuk from Aharon, has nothing to do with me. He's hinting to every single Jew. Okay? This is one lesson. What? It's already 4 o'clock. Should we go on still? Go on after. Okay, fine. We'll continue next week. It's very deep stuff here. And uh, the continuation to be continued next week. All right. Shkoyach for joining. Recording stop.